You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Tradies News in a Nutshell for your Friday morning. It's the 20th of January 2023, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Queensland, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. 1300 01 1170, our open line number. You can text 0457 736 after the most amazing 12 hours of tennis. Firstly, is anyone awake that got through the whole uh, Murray Kokonakis match? I'm going to ask my guest in the studio, Charles Goodsir, if he did so. But if you did and you're still listening now and you're going to work with no sleep, I'd love to hear from you. 0457 736 736. I'd be surprised. Or 1300 01 1170. Charlie Goodsir in the studio to kick things off on this Friday morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, very well. Now, did you stay up the whole night or were you smart and did you get some sleep? I'm sad to say that I missed an epic. It was a brilliant, brilliant uh, match. And I just had a look at the the official time. Five hours and 45 minutes. Yep. The, the second longest mm. Australian Open match of all time behind the, I think the 2012, 2012 final. Yep. Yeah, yep. between Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic that went five hours and 53 minutes. Mm. I love a good marathon yes uh in, in tennis i think i uh, i look back at uh last year's us open yannick mm. sinner and carlos alcaraz to the young guns going mm. at it i think that went close to about six mm. hours as well even um, last year's australian open final went for probably about just over five hours i had well. a look it was the fourth fourth, fourth okay. long, so i think it was five hours and 14 minutes all right um so yeah i'm, I'm sad to say i i, I missed it um, but we'll definitely catch up on some of the highlights. Poor Kokonakis, but yeah. I mean, Andy Murray is my all-time favorite tennis player, and mm. he never came out a champion. He's been to the final, I think, three times at the Australian Open. Mm. Uh, maybe three, maybe even four. He, mm. He's been there quite a lot, but he seems to always come up against Novak Djokovic in the yeah. final. <laughs> um, but, yeah, missed it, but I think Kokonakis, it's an unbelievable effort to mm. play five sets, let alone go well into... 4am in the evening. Yeah, finished at six minutes past four, so literally less than an hour ago. I, I went to sleep, and we'll talk about Popperin in a minute as well. I watched that whole match yesterday afternoon. I went to sleep quite early on in the Demon Ore match who got through as well, so well done to him. Um, and then I woke up a couple of times during the night and just thought I'd just quickly check the scores. The first time I checked, Hockenarkis was two sets to love up, and you'd think, okay, this might be going well. And then... I woke up at about 1.30, quarter to two, and it just got into the fourth set, and I thought, no, I'll go to sleep, and I'll see what happens when I wake up. Uh, didn't wake up on my alarm, woke up a lot before. I woke up at quarter past three, and I thought, I'll check again. Fifth set was just starting, so I thought, well, I may as well watch it. But it, uh, you feel sorry for Kokonakis, but Andy Murray playing five hours and 45 minutes. He played a five-hour game two days, or match two days ago. He's on a medal here. And you talk about the big three. You talk about Roger, Novak, Rafa. Andy was sort of on the precipice, I suppose, of that top four. But injuries and just the fact that he was around with these other three great players have probably meant he hasn't won as many Grand Slams as he would have done if he was in a different era. 
Yeah, I, I I completely agree with that. I think he was always sort of on the outside looking in, mm. that big three. I think the the good thing is, in my opinion, as an Andy Murray fan and, and for Andy Murray as well, is that he's got those two Grand Slams under his belt. Mm. They both happen to be Wimbledon. <laughs> mm. uh, and that's the one you want to win. Especially uh, for him. Especially yeah. for him as well. With all that pressure, I remember the year that he made that final. Mm. Um, yeah, I... I think credit to him. And I think he now has 51 wins at the Australian yeah. Open, which is uh, the fifth most in the history of um, of the Australian Open. It's going to be very yeah. very hard for him to back up, though. We saw, uh, you were probably very young, but we saw when Lady Hewitt and Marcus Bagdadis played in 2008, and that finished at about 4.45 in the morning. So not much difference. Uh, Luke Hewitt then had to play Djokovic, so that was a bit of an issue. But... It's a quick turnaround, finishing at 4 a.m. today to be playing, you'd imagine, sometime tomorrow night with a metal hip as well. Yeah, and what is that, like nearly 11, 12 hours of combined tennis yep. that, that he's played over the past few days? Yep. Um, be fascinating to see. Um, do you know what his next matchup is? I will find that out uh, for you because it would be interesting to see who it is and when they finished yesterday as mm. well. Whilst I look at that, um, his brother has said on Twitter a little while ago, it's time to get rid of these crazy late night finishes at a Grand Slam. He thinks that on any Grand Slam, but the Australian Open, it's time for tennis to move to only one match at the night sessions at Grand Slams. This is the best outcome for all singles players. We can't continue to have players compete into the wee hours of the morning. Rubbish for everyone involved. Whilst I like seeing matches finish at four, quarter past four in the morning, I do sort of get his point. If that match had started at seven, Still would have gone until after midnight, mind you, but it would have been a bit of a better turnaround. But the atmosphere in that stadium was amazing at 3.30 this morning. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to completely disagree uh, with that (laughs) take because I think part of the fun is that you see who who are the the diehards or who who really wants to stay and and guts it out, uh, Mm. especially in the crowd at 3.30, 4 a.m. in the morning. Um, I I think that's sort of the special part about it is that – Tennis doesn't have a sort of a set time. Mm. I think it's just when the match finishes. A match, and I, I miss the days where, in the the final set, you had to win by at least uh, two games. Yep. Um, that, and that's when you had absolute marathons going to you know like three four a.m. in the morning. Um, I, I completely disagree with that take. I think it's. So much fun seeing the crowds stay stay back, and you get those sort of bits of folklore. Um, I, I guess around tennis matches. I think that 2012 final that we mm. touched on, um, you could see the players at the end of it. You know, early in the morning, like 3:34 a.m. when they're doing the presentation, mm. and they're wobbling. They can barely stand. Um, I, I, I think that's the fun aspect of tennis and, and the Australian Open in particular. Yeah, I like it. I like the yeah. fact that it, it goes all night. Uh, yesterday afternoon as well, which was also day four, just quickly, Alexi Poprin, uh, again. Gun. What an- a gun. Another great match as well. Yeah. Five sets. Uh, he was just – that. Uh, Taylor Fritz won the first set, but after that, I don't know, he then came back and won the fourth set, but Poprin was just amazing to watch last night or, or yesterday afternoon into the night. Yeah, he was great, and that's a massive scalp. Uh, Taylor Fritz, the eighth seed, mm. um, I think, of the tournament, and – Sort of one of these younger players on the rise, or sort of the, the next generation of players after the you know the big three, Roger, Nadal, Djokovic, are slowly entering the twilight of their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roger's already gone. Yep. Nadal probably on the way out. I mean, I feel like Djokovic has a point to prove um, after the events of 
last Australian Open. But yeah, massive scalp. And I think uh, the massive grin on Popperin's face after that match, I think, really solidified the, um, I guess the, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Just sort of underdog hero sort of aspect to it. I don't think he believed that how he played that well yesterday because no. I think he, with these tennis matches, they start out great and then slowly when you get into five sets, fatigue starts to set in. Mm. You think experience and ranking is going to come to the fore. Mm. He played lights out. He was he was great. F- phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and considering he played a five-set match that went after midnight on uh, Tuesday as well. Yes. Yes. So just amazing. Andy Murray plays Batista a good tomorrow. So he... he you winnable. Yeah, it's you, winnable. You wouldn't back against him, would you? No, well, not after the last two performances. I mean, you can't you can't discredit what he's done. No. Uh, and that was, yeah, as you mentioned, Popper. And great underdog performance as well. Australians love to get behind uh, the underdog. Now, before we move away from tennis, and I'll go through some of the other serious scores when I let you go, but you told me in the office on Wednesday that you and your friends last, last weekend had a fascinating conversation. So... People have got to learn about Charlie through the breakfast show. Um, this is just a little bit of what happens in Charlie's life. And let me tell you, you will be jealous once you hear this. Yeah, so I think sort of every tennis tournament, especially Australian Open, yeah. um, what I've noticed is that a lot of the the brands and uh, the, the, or the sponsors of the players like to sort of, I guess, test the market, test the waters a little bit with mm-hmm. their with their tennis outfits yep. for the season. Because with the Australian Open, there's no sort of policy on what you can and can't wear. Yep. Um, <laughs> some companies get really, really zany. So I know that Thanasa Kokonakis, he is sponsored by Cotton On, mm. and his shorts look more like boardies than anything. They did. Uh, uh, Francis Tiafo, sponsored by Nike, has that weird yeah, that was multicolored an interesting like, one, yeah. swirl. And, yeah, interesting. Um but I've always been fascinated about sort of uh, the outfits that players wear because you always get the staple. You get the ones that just wear a shirt, mm. uh, shorts, the backwards cap. I know mm. that uh, Gus Gould on Twitter had a, had a few things to say about that mm. um, or the headband mm. or the um, sort of the tied headband as well. Uh, but my mates and I often say, what's your, what's your outfit if you're playing tennis? Because I feel like it's very much a fashion statement about mm. what you wear on the on the court. Yep. And who would you like to be sponsored by as okay. well? So which which brand? And uh, I settled on uh, Lacoste. Uh, did you? Yep. Lacoste yep. Is, my, yep. is my go-to. Why not? Yep. Uh, uh, Daniil Medvedev is probably uh. the most notable Lacoste uh, okay. sponsor. Yep. Make of that what you will. Yes, yeah. And I, I said I'd like a, a collared shirt, shorts, mm. Like black shoes, yeah, black socks, right, sort of around the calves, and then front-facing cap as well. Mm. So, do you then go to the shop, all of you, and try and replicate this? Oh, oh, very much. So, I do you know runway? Nah, definitely not. Um, it, it's more of a pipe dream than anything. Right. But are we playing a match of, of tennis? Mm. Uh, like millions of Australians, I would imagine, uh, over the course of the Australian Open this weekend, my man and I have booked out a court. Ah, very good. So yep. this will be a chance to sort yep. of sport that look. So I'll okay. I'll keep you posted, and I'll. Let everyone know uh, what I wear. Can you take a photo for our social media? Of course I can. Fantastic. The hours must fly by. Uh, you're playing tennis this weekend. What else is up? What are you doing this weekend? Watching more tennis? Yeah, Big definitely. Battle, like The Australian Open is yep. such a great way to start the year yep. sports-wise. Um, yeah, lo- love love the tennis. and It's such an easy watch. Yes. You can really just sit there. And it, like, it doesn't feel like – I, I watched um, – uh, Brooksby and, yeah. and Rude and, yeah. and uh, Popper and, and Fritz yesterday, and hours just flew by. And by yep. the time I looked at my, oh wow, it's 
that time already. Yep. Like, it, it's, it flies by. I, I love the Australian Open. Um, other than that, probably not too much. Probably aren't going to be watching the Big Bash. I've sort of lost touch with yep. the competition a little bit. Yep. Um, yeah, so yep. I think it's just going to be some more tennis watching. Nothing on this weekend in terms of like any major things. Oh, so okay. there's no excuse to not watch the tennis. I'm heading up to your part of the world, Newcastle. Yeah, still city. Six hours time. So looking forward uh, to that. Yeah, I saw someone tweet yesterday that uh, without Kyrgios, the Australian Open is lacking entertainment. Well, I think he must must be missing something because whilst I would have loved to have seen Kyrgios in there, it's been fantastic. Yeah, I'll, I'll make a point on that. I think mm. um, I've heard a lot of uh, people say that, oh, you know, the broadcaster must be, you know, Really annoyed that you know all these big names, Kyrgios, Alcaraz aren't there. Mm. You know Nadal's being knocked out. Like they'd hate that. I was like, well, that's the nature of the tournament. It's yep. unpredictable. You don't know who's gonna lose mm. and who's gonna get knocked out. And it, it I think that makes it more exciting. I yeah. think it's more exciting that Casper Ruud lost. I think mm. it's more exciting that Rafael Nadal lost, albeit injury Disapp- hampered yeah. as well. But I, I think you know I want to see this. We've been. I feel like the past, like maybe two, three years, we've been teasing this idea of a new generation. I think mm. Carlos Alcaraz winning the U.S. Open was kind of like the start of mm. this new generation coming in and making their mark. Uh, I'm excited. I want to see a newcomer win the Australian Open. I want to see who's the next big thing, Storm, and have a, an amazing fortnight at Melbourne mm. Park. I don't want to see Djokovic, Nadal, um, Medvedev, who hasn't won one, granted, but mm. is there and thereabouts. I just want to see the new wave come in. New so generation. I, I, I think that complaining about, oh, you know, they'll be angry or it's not as exciting because the big names aren't there. Mm. That's great. The big names are yet to come. They're making a name for themselves. And they knew what they were signing up for when they paid for the rights as well. And I yes. look, at, at, at one point in time, the big three, big four are going to go off the scene. However, this tournament, I'd like to see that, although we still have Djokovic. He did win last night, so yes. uh, he'll be hard. To, he <laughs> he'll be hard to beat. Charlie, good stuff as usual. Enjoy your game of tennis. Thank you. Uh, over the weekend. I look forward to hearing about it next uh, week. Charlie Goodsir, who no doubt will be back with the birthday game a little later on uh, with Julian King and Michael Karianis. 14 past 5, 14 past 4 in Queensland. Uh, Chris Perkins also coming up on the show in a few minutes' time. John Gallo will talk EPL. Uh, yeah, so on the back of Alexi Poprin's victory uh, on 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170, your great underdog victories, your great sporting underdog victories. Uh, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Your great sporting underdog victories. And are you enjoying the Australian Open? I am. I think it's been great uh, so far and only four days into it. Uh, so, yeah, some interesting results as well. Caroline Garcia got up uh, yesterday afternoon. Novak Djokovic uh, won, but it was in four sets and a few issues with some idiots in the crowd. But uh, he did win in the end 6-1, love So, well done uh, to him. Uh, Jabur, the number two women's ranked seed, out in three sets, uh, 6-1. Five seven six one. She lost, so that's a bit of a, a controversial, uh, well not controversial, but big story. A lot of the seeds on both sides, in particular the men's sides, falling very very early. We mentioned Annie Murray in five hours and forty five minutes over Tanasi Kokonakis. Uh, Poprin, of course, uh, Alex Dimonor had a win against uh, Marinero uh, from France. Seven six four six six four six one. So he is through to the third round as well. Day five action continues. 
starts a little later on uh, today. Sits a pass in action in the afternoon session. Uh, and then tonight, some good matches on Rod Laver Arena. Madison Keys up against Victoria Azarenka first up. And then it's Korda from America up against Daniel Medvedev. Uh, Jacob Sinners, uh, Sinners in action as well across uh, the day. So Yannick Sinner, not Jacob. Yannick Sinner in action across the course of the day. Uh, the world number one in the women's, Iga Schwantek in action as well. So plenty to look forward to on day five of the Australian Open after a remarkable day four. So yeah, your great underdog stories in sport. Who has been an underdog and won unexpectedly? 0457 736 736 or 1300 There's a bit of rugby league news flying around as well. We'll get to that after the break and we'll also have a chat with Chris Perkins and we'll get to your texts and calls 0457 736 736 about anything in sport on your Friday morning or 1300 01 Jones has had some interesting things to say about Peter Volandis I'll get to shortly on the text asking great sporting underdog victories Dan's kicked us off 0457 736 736 and this leads in nicely to our next guest 2001 a rookie named Tom Ed, Thomas Edward Brady wins the Super Bowl against the defending champs, the Rams, and Kurt Warner's greatest show on turf. Chris Perkins, good morning uh, to you. How are you on your, on this Friday morning over here, Thursday afternoon over there? I was in a lot better mood until I heard that text. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, I, di- I didn't mean. <laughs> di- didn't, didn't mean uh, to upset let me you. Set the- the defending champions that year. They had won the year before that. Uh, the year before that. Okay. Now, just a quick question. Oh. Sorry, just a quick question for you, Chris, as well. Um, Andy Murray Tanasi yes. Kokonakis finishing at five past four in the morning uh, here. Has a sporting event over oh, in America oh, oh, oh. ever gone that late? I do, there will be some that go late. I mean, extra inning baseball games, not necessarily. We might just give uh, Chris Perkins a call back. He's just having a few issues uh, with his line. We'll give him a call back uh, right now. But, yeah, uh, 4.05 in the morning, if you're just joining us, Andy Murray winning over Tanasi Kokonakis uh, after four, uh, five hours and 45 minutes. I think the second longest Australian Open match. Chris Perkins back on the line uh, now. Chris, yeah, has a um, sporting event ever gone that late? Yeah, the closest one I could come up with was uh, 1985. Uh, specifically going... To 406, no. I found one that was really close, though. Mm. Uh, 1985, the, the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves down in Atlanta, uh, they, they, they you know, played a baseball game, went 19 innings, okay? Mm. So game started like at 7 o'clock in the evening, didn't end until 3.55 a.m. the next morning. Yeah, like I said, it went 19 innings. So you're talking the equivalent of two full baseball games plus an extra inning on top of that uh, before the game was done. Uh, the funny part about this was, you know, not the fact that it went to 4 a.m. almost, uh, was it was the 4th of July when the game started, and the Braves had promised a fireworks show post-game. Hmm. They went ahead and did the fireworks Ooh, show at 4 a.m. That would have upset the neighbors. With, that, pre- uh, that, that. with predictable results. Yes, I don't, yeah. I don't think that would have gone down. Uh, too well. I don't think you could even get away with that here in Australia. All right, big weekend coming up in America in the NFL. Give us your preview, mate. Yeah, we got uh, four divisional round games uh, this weekend starting uh, just over 48 hours from now. Uh, the round opens in Kansas City. The uh, 
Chiefs, who had last week off. Uh, they'll host the Jacksonville Jaguars, who got through uh, just an unbelievable uh uh, wild card game last weekend, uh, beating the LA Chargers 30 to 28, or uh, yeah, uh, beating them by two points after trailing 27 nothing. Beat them 31 uh, 30 last week after trailing uh, 27 nothing at one point in, in the football game. Uh, the third largest comeback in NFL history in uh, in in terms of score deficit. Uh, Chiefs are what nine and eight and a half point favorites. I like the Chiefs in this one. We know their offense, but one thing the Chiefs have to watch out for uh, is they're going to—they're playing a team that has exceeded all expectations this year, um, and will be playing with absolutely no pressure. Mm. All the pressures on Kansas City because they're looking for their fifth straight AFC Championship game, and a, a loss in the divisional round. Uh, it would be seen in some circles as a failure for the Kansas City Chiefs if they don't win this game. So might be some pressure. Maybe Jacksonville jumps out to a lead, and we see how Kansas City responds to it uh, with all that pressure in front of 75 or so thousand at Arrowhead on Saturday afternoon. So it'll be an interesting one, to say the least. Uh, the other high – all four of the games are uh, look great. Mm. You got the Giants and Eagles in a divisional game. Uh, they'll be meeting for the third time this year, and these are two teams. They're separated by about 100 miles of highway, and there is absolutely positively zero love lost between the two. These are two teams and two fan bases that hate each other. So that that just makes it fun right there when you got that kind of a rivalry. Uh, Bills and Bengals on Sunday, the first game on Sunday. Of course, this was the game that didn't get finished a couple, couple, three weeks ago in Cincinnati when DeMar Hamlin went down. We get to see them play. Um, we, we will finally get to see them play a full game uh, this Sunday up in Buffalo. Weather does not look good, so it could keep the offenses down. They're talking about snow. Uh, in fact, it's been raining in Buffalo today. They're talking about that changing over to snow this weekend, uh, which could make for – make for some interesting looks and then uh you got the cowboys and the 49ers uh we'll see what brock purdy can do in the divisional round did pretty good in the the wild card game uh with four touchdowns uh, against seattle we'll see what he does against dallas and, and of course america's team or america's most hated team depending on your perspective uh the Dallas cowboys uh they're looking for their first super bowl in about 30 years and uh just want to get get one step closer, get back to an NFC championship game, but it's going to be a big hill to climb because San Francisco has so much talent. All right, a big weekend in the NFL. Now, uh, a coach has been fired. What's happened here, Chris? Bad news. Yeah, we, yeah we've had a couple of coaches, uh, mm. second-tier coaches, uh, lead assistants lead, uh, leave or be pushed out, depending on your perspective. Uh, Raven, uh, Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman uh, has decided to step down. He had a year left on his contract, although it was believed to be a team option. Uh, the Ravens offense, uh, scoring has gone down. Now, the last couple of years for them, they've had some injury issues, particularly a quarterback with Lamar Jackson uh, missing time the last two seasons. Mm. Uh, four years ago, back in 2019, they, they averaged 33 points a game. That's declined down to under 21 points a game this past season. So uh, Greg Roman has decided to 
to uh, leave that position. And reports are that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, have fired offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich uh, after four seasons. Uh, you saw the Buccaneers offense this year. It, it was a struggle. Um, and, and the the game planning seemed, seemed kind of stuck in the mud. Tom Brady, this blows my mind, 45 years old, mm. threw 733 passes this year. That is an incredible amount of passes for one player to throw. That is uh, the the math on that kind of defeats me. But that is <laughs> when you do that that do the math on that. That's over forty passes a game, and, mm. and that's a lot for a twenty five year old, a lot for any quarterback. But when you're talking a guy forty five, that's there there probably should have been a lot of balance, a lot more balance in that. And of course, uh, the Buccaneers went down in the wild card game over the weekend to the Cowboys to end their season. And the, you know, Leftwich probably won't be the only change to the Buccaneers' offense come come September. All right, and just very very quickly, a 500th goal scored last night. Yeah, Steven Stamkos, the Tampa Bay Lightning, became the 47th player in NHL history to score 500 goals. And that, that's kind of a milestone, that's a big milestone uh, stat for a, for a player. He's in his 15th season. He was the first overall draft pick of the Lightning back in 2008. Becomes the 19th NHL player in history to get to 500 goals uh within his first thousand games of his career uh had a hat trick last night he opened the scoring tampa bay won the game five to two last night so uh sam coast uh when, when he scored uh the first goal of the game the entire team came off the bench to celebrate it celebrate with them uh a, a very special moment to say the least up in vancouver last night for sam coast yeah very special moment indeed 500 goals that's very impressive chris great stuff as per usual we will catch up again next week and review what has happened across the course of the weekend Yep, next week we will know who's playing for a conference championship next weekend. So we'll talk about all the games from, from this weekend when we talk again. Sounds good, man. Have a good weekend. We'll chat next week. You too. Chris Perkins in America joining us, and he'll be back with me Tuesday morning. Uh, Eddie Jones says Peter Volandis has been spending too much time in a betting shop and plans to make rugby so attractive that even the NRL boss will be tuning in to his press conferences. Uh, the new Wallabies coach held his first expansive press conferences with Australian media over Zoom yesterday and rejected Volandis' claim that rugby was so boring the NRL's best players wouldn't be interested in switching codes. Uh, he said, I think he's been probably sitting in a betting shop too much. I encourage him to get out of there and go and watch some rugby. I'll invite him to a game. Uh, for Landis, as we know, have shown little concern that Jones wants to poach NRL players to union, saying this week that players can take their mobile phone with them on the field because they've got 20 minutes to tweet, Instagram or TikTok. He said, we wish Eddie the best of luck, and I hope he's got his mobile phone with him so he can fill that 30 minutes as well. Uh, but Jones hit back yesterday saying if we can play some good rugby, people will want to watch us play. And if we win, then we'll be in a better position in the media. So the 15 people we've got now will be 30 people because all the rugby league journalists want to be a part of it. We might even get that, what's his name, the horse guy, to a media conference, Volandis. Uh, yes, going to be some interesting times, I think, over the next little while uh, between Eddie Jones and Peter Volandis. 
um, in the terms of rugby league and the rugby union award. What do you make of all of that? Are you, if you're a rugby league fan, are you a little concerned that you're going to see some players head to rugby union? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. And great sporting underdogs, great sporting underdog victories after Alexi Poprin's wins, Alexi Poprin's win yesterday. Who are, they? Who are they? A couple more texts. I'll get to them after the break. 0457 736 736 or 1300 1170. Great sporting underdog victories. Players, teams you never thought would win and managed to get up. 0457 736 736 1300 1170. More rugby league news, a big bash update and more football with John Gallo next on the other side of the Good to have your company. It is 23 and a half to 6, 23 and a half to 5 in Queensland. Canberra have all but secured Penrith star Stephen Crichton on a mammoth four-year deal beginning next season. So Fox Sports reported this yesterday uh, that after he announced earlier on the week that he's leaving the Panthers, he'll join the Bulldogs on just under $835,000 a year until 2027. He'll become the third ex-Panther to switch ranks following a kickout and Matt Burton uh, where it's expected he'll be their long-term fullback. So $835,000 a year until 2027. Not too bad. Good signing for the Bulldogs. Let's talk football now with John Gallo. John, good morning to you. Morning, Dan. How are things? Uh, very well. We do this, of course, for Makita. This season, Makita is helping you rule the outdoors. Been another busy week in football with uh, some FA Cup action. Leeds, very good uh, yesterday. Uh, but we also had a Premier League game yesterday as well. Uh, Man United and Crystal Palace, a one-all draw. Would Man United be a bit disappointed with that, considering what they did just a few days ago against Man City? Yeah, it's a bit of a, of a letdown for them, I think, after their uh, you know high performance against uh, against Man City and you know the confidence they would have taken out of that particular result. But then to go in against Palace and dominate the game, really, for more accounts, just looking at the numbers, they had more shots on goal, created more opportunities, but yet uh, find themselves with a draw at the end of it. And uh, the goal came in the 93rd minute, so it came in injury time, pretty much the last kick of the ball really, from Palace and it found itself in the back of the net. And well done for Palace. It was a bit of a smash and grab, as they term it. Uh, but for Man United, it's really going to be a bit of a letdown for them. And I think that certainly Ten Hag is going to have to remind some of these Man United players going forward. They have to be a bit more polished, execute a bit better in front of goal. Uh, but maybe the Man United players found themselves just being a little bit you know, hungover from the, the win against Man City and forgot to focus on the uh, Palace game. But well done to Palace. It's a vital point for them. They've got a really tough run in the next five or six weeks. They've got Newcastle United, Man United again in a couple of weeks' time, Man City, Arsenal, Liverpool, in no particular order, but they've got a really tough six- and seven-week period. And Patrick Vieira will know how vital this point will be. Hopefully, it'll get them some confidence because these next five or six games coming up, they could easily fall back into the relegation dogfight. So a vital point for Palace. Yeah, sitting in the middle part of the ladder at the moment, but that is a very tough draw for Crystal Palace. So any points they can pick up are vital, as you say. A very entertaining match on paper, at least, coming up in just over an hour's time from now, 7 a.m. this morning. Man City hosting Tottenham. Man City will want to bounce back from that loss to Man United over the weekend. Yes, and this could be, you know, pushing the uh, the Tiger into the corner a little bit here because I think that uh, when their backs are against the war, Man City, they do tend to uh, reply in, in good fashion as well. And Spurs, their backs have been against the wall some part of this season with the amount of criticism that uh, Conte has, has received despite them finishing in the top four for some part of the season. They're now fifth 
and they're finding themselves outside the four, so they're going to have to do everything they can to try and get the three points and, and get the confidence injected back into this playing group as well as with the fans. So it's a really vital three points for both these both these sides. I just think City are just going to be a little bit too polished going forward. Obviously, the likes of Jack Grealish, Mares, Phil Foden, players like that, that they have at their disposal, City, I think they'll just be too good. Tottenham, in their last uh, North London derby, they played against Arsenal last weekend. Were very sluggish. You know, Kane and Son just were not on the ball hardly. Uh, Hoiberg went missing for some period of the game. So those three players are going to be vital for Spurs. It's got any chance to get something out of this game this morning against City. Yeah, tomorrow night, interesting one as well. Might have to watch this, John. Liverpool taking on Chelsea. Uh, really, two teams that you'd expect to be doing a lot better in the Premier League. A tale of two struggling teams at Anfield tomorrow night, 11.30pm. Yeah, well, first time probably in a long time that both these sides are outside the four and facing each other. Ninth versus tenth, mm. uh, would you believe it or not, um, is the position of both these sides. Chelsea coming in tenth spot and really been struggling all season long. They picked up a, a vital win on the weekend, last weekend against Palace, albeit they didn't play at their best. There was still some you know, critics aiming at their performance as being a little bit sluggish in that particular game as well. Um, but Graham Potter is slowly, hopefully, trying to win over the fans by trying to play some, some decent style of football. If they can get the results, which is the most important thing now, this type of result against Liverpool could turn their season around. So it's a vital game for both these sides for exactly that same reason. Jurgen Klopp as well will want to turn his season around, and this is the time and place to do exactly that, as well as trying to win over the Liverpool fans again, um, who've probably lost a little bit of confidence in him as a manager, but also the playing group. And uh, obviously with Liverpool... You know, they've had a massive loss on the weekend, last weekend against Brighton. Not only was it the result that was pretty dismal, but the performance was even worse. And, uh, yeah, I think they're going to have to really come out of the blocks here and try and salvage their season, both these sides. So a lot to play for in that respect, a lot to fight for. It'll be a big game. A host of games at 2 a.m. Sunday morning. Let's just quickly go through them. Leicester City hosts Brighton. Yeah, looking forward to this one. I think for Leicester, they've, they've found form the last couple of uh, months and then the last four games they've lost on the trot heading to this game against Brighton. So again, they could be sliding if they're not careful here. Brighton with a great win, as I mentioned, against Liverpool. I'm going to slightly lean towards Brighton. I think their form has been too good. Southampton will host Aston Villa. Well, yeah, Southampton have to lift themselves out of bottom of the table at the moment. Villa are finding good form, had some tough results. United Emery's got that side galvanised at the moment with some real good defence and a good attack going forward. I'm going to back with Villa in this one. Uh, West Ham against Everton. Well, yeah, two managers under pressure, David Moyes and Frank Lampard. Doesn't get pretty for both these guys, and I think they'll want to uh, definitely try and get three points to turn their season around as best they can. I'm slightly leaning towards West Ham. I think just going forward, they've got too many dangerous players. I think Everton defensively will struggle. Uh, Bournemouth will host Nottingham Forest. This could be an interesting match. Yeah, big game in, in a way. I mean, Nottingham Forest, I mean, I only looked at the, the ladder position last night and I thought, wow, they're 13th on the, on the ladder. Steve Cooper's done a wonderful job. Mm. I thought they were well below that um, and I expected them to be well below that as well. Um, they've had a recent signing of Danilio from Brazil who's going to really come in there and strengthen their attack going forward. So, you know, Steve Cooper's done some wonderful things. Only a couple of months ago, he was, you know, in the relegation dogfight and touted as being sacked. But uh, Bournemouth, as well, had a decent turnaround under Gary Cahill. Only the last four weeks have really struggled with four losses in a row. So they're trying to find some form. And obviously, they're sliding down to that relegation dogfight. So big game for Bournemouth to try and turn their season around. But for Nottingham, 
if they can win this, this will potentially put them into the top half of the Premier League ladder, which would be absolutely wonderful for, for the new boys on the block. Uh, I'm slightly leaning towards Nottingham. I think Steve Cooper's got them playing some really good football. All right. Uh, Crystal Palace up against Newcastle. That's Sunday morning at 4.30, the last of the Sunday morning games. I'm going to hit Newcastle. You know, they're, what, 14, 15 games undefeated this season. Unbelievable run. I don't think Palace will be good enough to stop them. Three games on Monday morning, two of them at 1am. Man City will host Wolves. Yeah, big game. I think it's going to be a difficult game for City as well. A bit of a, a banana peel if they're not careful because Wolves are a really good side defensively. They can really frustrate the opposition sides. Um, it'll be a big game for both teams. I think you've got to slightly lead towards City, however. Leeds United on the back of their FA Cup win yesterday will play Brentford. Big game, uh, 8th versus 15th. I mean, Brentford had an unbelievable season, finishing top half of the table. They could, if they win this game, Brentford find themselves around the you know, top five, top six with the three points here, whereas Leeds, if they get three points, they climb potentially more up to the ladder themselves and try and fight for a, a mid-table spot, which would be absolutely brilliant for Jesse Marsh. Um, but it's vital for them. They need to get some kind of momentum leads at the moment. They've had four, three losses and two draws in the last five games, so they're yet without a win. Uh, but I'm slightly leaning towards Brentford. I think Thomas Frank has got them playing some really good football and a real belief and confidence in Brentford at the moment. Now, this next game, Arsenal Man United, Monday morning at 3.30. It's a huge game. We'll actually be on air. Traders will be on air. A condensed version of Traders immediately following. Uh, I know what you're saying, more condensed than it is already, but it will be a condensed one following this game. Arsenal up against Man United. We're on air from 5.30 a.m. straight after this game that kicks off at 3.30. How do you see this one going? Yeah, big game. I think Arsenal, Man United, people talking about it all week, about the fact that this picture has probably died off really in the last, well, probably the last 10 years, really. It's, it's, you know, Liverpool and Chelsea have taken taken more ownership. Obviously, Man City and their form has been, you know, one that's standed out. Spurs have looked good in the last couple of years as well. And Arsenal and the Man United rivalry of, of the early 2000s and the late mid-90s as well has kind of taken a bit of a back seat when uh, Man United dominated so much. And uh, Arsenal kind of went away a little bit. But they've now both at, at a real peak at the moment, both coming into this game undefeated after five games. Uh, it, it, it's hard one to tell which way this could go. But um, I'm slightly leaning towards Arsenal. I think that result yesterday against Palace for Man United was a big hiccup for them. I think it shows that up front they're still lacking that little bit of quality and polish up front. Whereas Arsenal, for me, with Martinelli and Saka, you know, lifting their game since Gabriel Jesus has been off injured, Odegaard has found form. Obviously, Jack has found form as well. Thomas Partey in that midfield doing a wonderful job. I just think the other players have lifted since Scavio Jesus has been out injured. And the belief and the confidence in that Arsenal dressing room at the moment that Mikel Arteta's got them at, I don't think we've seen an Arsenal side probably in the last 10, 15 years, perhaps even longer than that. I think this is a real opportunity for Arsenal to get on with the rest of the season, depending, obviously, on, on how the result goes this morning with Man City playing Tottenham. But I think Arsenal will just edge this one out. I think 1-0 will be a tight game. I think Arsenal might just be a little bit too good. There is one other game on Tuesday morning, but we'll have a chat about that on Tuesday. A-League this weekend as well, just quickly. Adelaide United up against MacArthur. That's tonight at 7.45. Then tomorrow, Western United will host Sydney FC uh, at 5pm at 7.45. Brisbane Raw will host Melbourne City. Uh, tomorrow night at 10.30, game over in Perth. It's the Perth Glory up against the Melbourne Victory. And then on Sunday, uh, the Wellington Phoenix up against the Central Coast Mariners. The Newcastle Jets will host the Western at Sydney Wanderers. That is the A-League round 13 of the A-League this weekend. John, thank you very much. You're actually going to be showing me the sights and sounds of Newcastle over the weekend. So I'm looking forward to you showing me the great city of Newcastle.
Yes, absolutely, mate. Like a tour guide, I'll just have my little Newcastle sign as mm. I show you around the, the great sites of Newcastle City. Uh, wonderful beaches, mate, wonderful uh, lakes and rivers mm. and obviously great cafes. And mm. more importantly, Dan, more importantly for you is, is great pubs. Yes. Great pubs. Yes. And uh, I think it's a pub capital of Australia, mate, to be honest, with some of the pubs I've seen recently. Mm. You'll, be, uh, cool. you'll be in for a treat. Yes, of course, do drink responsibly, of course. John, thank you very much. I'll see you in about 12 hours and we'll chat again on air on Tuesday morning and wrap up another big weekend of the English Premier League. All right, mate. We'll see you for 12 hours on the uh, train trip back yeah, up to Newcastle. Yeah, I'm getting on it now. Off I go. <laughs> see you later. Speak to you Tuesday, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Uh, John Kello talking all things uh, football. Here's a long train trip from Sydney to Newcastle, isn't it? Must be train. Uh, anyway, let's do a big bash update. We do this for the Isuzu MU Max. Live your own way in the seven-seat Isuzu MU Max. Visit your local Isuzu Ute dealer today. And, yeah, the big bash uh, last night. Good win for the Sydney Thunder. Snapped an eight-game losing streak, winning by eight wickets with nine balls remaining. The Renegades off their 20 overs made nine for 142 uh, but the Sydney Thunder managing to get that, as I say, with uh, eight, nine balls left and eight wickets remaining. So well done to the Sydney Thunder. A couple of games today, 4.30pm, the Adelaide Strikers taking on the Perth Scorchers. And then at 8pm tonight, the Brisbane Heat up in Queensland will be playing the Hobart Hurricanes. So that is what has been happening in the Big Bash. On the text, asking great sporting underdog victories on 0457 736 Stephen Bradbury, well, he has to be one of the obvious choices. Came from nowhere. When was that? 2002 Winter Olympics. Uh, probably got a tiny bit lucky, it has to be said. But uh, it's still a great victory uh, and something that I don't think any Australian sports fan will ever forget. And also the 2013 Mitch Johnson, Mitch Johnson Ashes Series. You're right. All the pressure Mitch Johnson was in going into that Ashes Series, most of Australia was on his back. And he was fantastic. One of the best series I've seen from a fast bowler in a very long time. Hard to believe at the end of this year, that's 10 years ago. It's quite scary. Uh, thank you for the text. Keep them coming in 0457 736 736 or 1300 011170. We'll take a break. Breakfast is not too far away. You're listening to Tradies News in a nutshell. Not sure if you saw this on Twitter last night, but NRL players have taken their protests with the game over the CBA, CBA online in a coordinated move amid their stoush with the game's governing body with the strike still a possibility. Uh, Roosters skipper James Tedesco was one of several players to put on a united front on social media, uh, and it said, players are united. We will continue fighting for what is fair. So that continues. Clint Newton was on with Matt White yesterday. Well worth listening back on the podcast. Thank you for your company today and this week. Been another fun week. Coming up on breakfast with Julian King and Michael Carianas. A big morning. Steve Smith will join them as will Mark Woodford as well to talk all things tennis. Of course, for our Queensland listeners, you'll get the first hour of them and then it'll be pattern heels from 6am local time. On Monday morning, we'll be back from 5.30am straight after the EPL. So looking forward to that. Have a great weekend, whatever you were doing, and I'll see you back here Monday morning at 5.30. Breakfast follows the news.